Hello, hello, and welcome back to Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. So with this episode, I interviewed TikTok star Sid Aaron. Sid and I had a great conversation where we got to learn more about how Sid unapologetically found herself through TikTok. She absolutely did not hold back, and it was such a hilarious conversation, which is one of the reasons as to why I wanted to have her on the podcast to begin with, because I know she is all about making people laugh. I really hope you enjoy this episode, especially if you're a big fan of Sid. I know I am. So with that, let's just go ahead and get into the podcast episode. Hi, Sid. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm also doing well. It's been a very long day. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I have been wanting to talk to you for so long, so I'm so excited that I was able to have you on. Basically, what I wanted to talk about with you today is TikTok and how you've basically found your voice. I know you have a very big following. I was wondering if you could kind of introduce us to some of the things that you typically post on your TikTok today and what you're kind of all about. Yeah, so um, I guess, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really grateful to be here and for this opportunity um, just to speak to you and then tell you about my TikTok. Um, basically, I just post whatever the fuck I want, I guess. <laughs> um, a bunch of stories about my college experience, my high school experience, boys, partying, um, anything that I think will be relatable to an audience that maybe doesn't want to get on the internet and talk about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so pretty much anything. Like, I just say what's on my mind, don't really think twice about it. I don't really have a filter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, and I absolutely love that about you because I'm also the same way where I also don't have a filter and I'm not afraid to just, you know, be TMI and open out there on the internet because I think that is something that's very hard for a lot of people to do these days they're afraid to overshare or just share anything because they're afraid of being judged and I think that's really great because you definitely give other people courage to kind of be their most unapologetic selves so I know you said you're in college right now I'm kind of curious to know a little bit more about how you manage your TikTok um, between your schoolwork. And was TikTok the thing that you got started in college? Did you start TikTok before college? I'm kind of curious to learn a little bit more about your backstory and how you got started on the platform today. Yeah, so I'm actually a sophomore at Penn State and I'm taking the current semester off, (laughs) but I do live in State College and I started my TikTok while I was um, a student at Penn State. And I started it the beginning of my first semester, no, yeah, fall semester of last year, I started it um, back in September, actually. I posted a video just because I was I was bored, and it was, like, the first week that I had the app. Uh, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Not a lot of people had it, and I was just uh, fucking around pretty much. And Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can curse. But, oh, um, please, curse. We're totally unfiltered on this podcast. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, so I just recorded a video joking around, didn't think anyone would see it, and then the third video that I posted that day, I went to eat with my friend at the dining hall and I checked it and it started going up like hundreds of thousands of views and it hit a million and after that I just started gaming and just rolling with it kind of pushing out the same kind of content what was that video about uh so actually I don't know if you've ever seen the show Gossip Girl but yeah at the end of every episode the narrator will go like you know you love me xoxo Gossip Girl and so I filmed the video kind of uh going off of that catchphrase and I said um do I still get sad about a boy who probably doesn't think about me at all? 
you know you hate me, XOXO Dumbho. I posted the video <laughs> just while I was upset eating a tub of ice cream. And uh, I guess people really liked it. So that's Aww. the first one of mine that, that took off. Yeah, no, that's really clever. I think that's like the beauty of TikTok is that you can seriously play off so many different phrases and make your own twist, which is like the beauty of it today what would you say is your most favorite tiktok that you've uploaded oh gosh um there are so many i think one of my favorites that i posted kind of recently was i was going through all of the uh, clothing items that i've gotten from from hookups and like one night stands and all that and i was Mm -hmm. just going through each piece and kind of explaining a little bit of the backstory as to how i got it and i I really liked that one because i thought it was funny and also um gave a lot of insight to like my personal hookup stories and stuff like that, which I know my audience uh, really likes because they can relate to it. So that's probably my favorite one. I definitely think those are fun. There are two TikToks that I absolutely love of yours. This is actually the first one that I discovered from you. It was, what was it, like four signs that you're getting played? I remember it was like, you talked about the LED lights, the yeah. flag that says Saturdays are for the boys. I thought it was so funny because, I mean, I graduated college a very long time ago, and that shit is still true to this day. <laughs> yep. So it's or, – or not to this day. I mean, back, back when I was in college is what I meant to say. So the fact yeah. that this is still a reoccurring pattern, oh, my God. It, like, makes <laughs> my skin crawl because I'm just like, why do these people still think that this stuff – is it going to be attractive and cool? And then yeah. the other one was um, the Jay song, where you talk about how guys named Jay are just complete trouble. I thought that one was so funny. Oh, yeah, that one that one took off. I was not expecting as many people to relate to that video as they did. But I guess everyone and their mother has some sort of issue with somebody who names because that video did numbers. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, like, it's so funny and true because I want to say I've had my fair share of dating and hookups with guys named Jays. And you know what? None of them have ever ended well for me. So for an example, exactly. I actually dated this Australian guy right when quarantine was starting and his name began with a J. And... He wasn't like a player. He was actually a very mature person. But the thing is, he had just gotten out of a marriage and then a year and a half long relationship. And I knew that I wasn't going to get into anything serious with him. But at the same time, he kind of like led me on for two months and then decided, oh, I don't feel a connection. And I'm just thinking, then why the fuck did you let me date you or go out with you for two months? You should have known that by like the fourth date or something so it definitely has left a bad taste in my mouth with the guys who are named jay i'm just kind of curious to know how many jays have you gone through (laughs) because i've been through (laughs) two or three (laughs) um so actually it's funny because the person that inspired that tiktok we still joke about it to this day because he knows very well that he was the reason behind that tiktok being made and um we it actually was a pretty similar situation. Obviously, we're still in college, so he hasn't really had the whole like marriage experience. Um, but he did lead me on for quite some time, uh, hung out with me, and then all of a sudden, I kind of got ghosted. Like he kind of just stopped hitting me up, and I didn't know why. And so, out of this anger, I guess, and frustration, I made that TikTok, and he actually texted me, and he was like, "Is this about me? Like, what are you doing?" I was like, <laughs> "Yes." 
damn straight it is it is absolutely about you and what about it i would do it again and so he we just laugh about it now because we're like on better terms but yeah it was definitely just a situation where i felt like i was being let on in a sense and i ugh, i don't know it's just it's the worst and and even now like and any guy that i talk to especially now that my platform has grown i'm like you better not fuck up <laughs> you better not fuck up or i might have to make a tiktok about you <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, it's funny you say that because um so I have a YouTube channel and I post content about what it's like to navigate life and dating in San Francisco and then I started my podcast because there were so many topics that I wanted to start about that wouldn't really be relevant to my niche and I I know people wanted to know more about my life so I thought you know making a podcast would be a great way to dig deeper into different yeah. things that I wanted to talk about but I talk a lot about my dating experiences, mostly in San Francisco, because that's where I live. I've made two different videos about what dating in San Francisco has taught me. And I share all of my stories with all these guys that I have dated, mistakes that I've learned talking about the crazy shit that these men have done. And it's always awkward, because when I go on a new date with a new guy, I'm not afraid to share that I have a YouTube channel and guys are always yeah. like, oh my God, you have a YouTube channel. That's so cool. What do you talk about? What do you make videos yeah. about? <laughs> and I'm not going to lie to them and say, oh, I just make videos about San Francisco. I mean, it's not completely a lie because I do, but I also do share a lot about my dating life and what it's like to be single because I've been single for over nine years. And basically I share stories of guys that I've hooked up with or guys that I've gone on dates with and I want to always try to let guys know, hey, you know, you better not be a dick. I may put you in a video. I mean, I kind of yeah. say it in a joking way because yeah. at the end of the day, I don't want guys to think that they're going to be that special for me to put them in a video because they do have to give me a story. Because yeah. let's just say I go on one bad date with a guy, but let's just say like the bad date was, there was just no connection. There's really no story to tell, right? Exactly. So I'm not going to make yeah. a video about that. So I'm guessing, do you usually make your TikToks if there's some sort of like extravagant story behind the guy that you've oh, yeah. gone out with? Oh, yeah. I try. I mean, obviously, like, especially in a period of time where hookup culture is so popular, um, I, I have a lot of experiences that I don't necessarily feel the need to make videos about because they're either just not as dramatic or exciting as I think people would enjoy or because I just don't feel like talking about it. Um on the internet so publicly but i do i do save the more like outrageous stories for tiktok like i'll i'll post when i think something's like crazy that happened or i think something super funny or super embarrassing for me like i'll i'll, I'll share that because i know people will be able to laugh at that and relate to that mm -hmm. and, um, so yeah i definitely have experiences that i don't necessarily post about um and also going off of what you said about how uh it's a little bit i wouldn't say difficult but oh i mean i guess yeah a little bit difficult to explain uh when you're in, in involving social media as heavily as we are uh especially when we make the type of content that we make it's difficult to have that conversation with someone on a first or second date where they're like oh what do you do and i'm like oh i'm i'm big into social media and they're like what do you post about and i'm like uh i make comedy videos like yeah it's just you don't really know how to navigate that and especially uh for me because tiktok is such a I mean, it's not, it's not as new as it was before, but, um, it's still relatively new. And I feel like to a lot of people, they don't take it as seriously as mm -hmm. some do. And so it's, it's kind of almost like cringe in a sense to be able to, to say that I, I'm a TikToker. You know what I mean? Like even saying that now, I'm like, Oh God, that's so gross. Like, 
people don't take that seriously. You know what I mean? Especially mm, yeah. half of the dating pool that I'm dating is like, like way older than me. Like I am talking to a 23 year old guy and I literally sat in front of my phone screen for like an hour trying to think about how I was going to phrase me saying that I made TikTok videos to him because he's like 23 years old. You know what I mean? He's, he's yeah. graduated college. He's getting his master's. Like this is not, it's TikTok. It's weird to him. You know what I mean? So I didn't really know how to word that in a way that didn't make me look like an idiot. <laughs> That's so sad because any guy that you go out with should be accepting and supportive of what you do totally was as good as he could have he was like oh that's so sick like I'm I'm super happy for you but in my head it was like oh my god he's gonna think that this is so cringy and embarrassing like he's not gonna really talk to me and I just really overthought that one <laughs> yeah I mean I think you'll be really surprised because I've also had those doubts about being a youtuber as well where I think some people might think oh that's so weird that you do youtube videos but it's like people watch youtube and just like people watch tiktok maybe some people yeah. don't have the drive to create content but when they hear or see about other people who do that kind of content it makes you more interesting and yeah. it gives you a story to tell because then people can ask you so many questions on how did you get started? How much work goes into this? I, I cannot tell you how many guys have thought that I think that they think it's really cool that I have a YouTube channel. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. There's always that like doubt in the back of your mind thinking like, oh, they might think that social media influencing is so stupid. And to those guys, you know, I say, fuck you, you're not my person. Because if you're really my person, you're gonna think what I do is awesome. So I guess I'm really curious to say, do you end up just saying that you're a TikToker? Do you call yourself a content creator? How do you usually, I guess, like identify yourself when it comes to TikTok? Yeah, so I, I'm, it'll, it's even in my Instagram uh, bio, I, I call myself a content creator. I feel like that's just uh, a really good label that kind of covers everything that I do because I also post on Instagram and post on Twitter. Like TikTok is not my only social media platform. So that's yeah. just called TikToker, I would say that I create content and a content creator. So that's basically how I refer myself to it as well as a content creator. I definitely think the word like social media influencer has definitely gotten a lot cringier over these days just because influencers oh, yeah. get such a bad rap for faking things or they say offensive things or they're doing things for the money. And it's like, I mean, yeah, like I may have influence, but I would rather you call me a content creator just because I am creating content. I'm doing something that I'm very passionate about. And fun fact, my content isn't even monetized. I mean, I've done some sponsorships. Uh, yeah. I probably do like one sponsored post or video a year. It's I'm very particular with my paid stuff just because I don't want my audience to lose trust in me. Because I always, I just think it's so weird how your audiences will lose trust in you when you want to monetize your content. But it's like, at the same time, this is also my passion. This is something that, you know, I want to do later on in the road. I ha I'm curious to know, so you're a sophomore in college now. So do you see yourself doing full-time content creation after school? I'm curious to know, like, what are you, what are you studying now? And are you going to try to pursue that after college? Or are you thinking about doing something else? Yeah, so I'm studying rehabilitation services, and uh, the end goal for me coming into college was to one day direct my own shelter for homeless and runaway youth, and that is still definitely the goal. Um, I'm not really sure. This is such a crazy and, and unexpected opportunity for me, 
being able to build a platform. It's not anything that I would have ever expected to happen, but it is definitely something that I always dreamed of happening. I mean, ever since I was younger, as well as like the majority of my generation, I would say, uh, we've always had like that little that little thing in our heads that's like, oh, I'd love to be a content creator one day. I'd love to have a platform. And now that that's actually become true for me, uh, I've definitely considered giving it my all. You know what I mean? Pursuing it wholeheartedly and just seeing where that goes as a career. Um, I am going to try to finish my degree. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to be at Penn State. I might transfer to like a smaller school so that I have the freedom to be able to travel wherever I want to. Um, yeah. But I definitely, I do want to finish my degree. I just also know that a career in social media would be a dream come true. So I definitely want to keep that door open for myself as well and pursue that. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because so many people go to school and they end up not using their degrees at all. I can tell you right now, I have a master's degree. So I graduated from the University of Kentucky and I got a degree in something called family sciences, which is a mix of psychology and sociology of family functioning and couples and relationships. And so I, so I recently got laid off from my job and I worked at a startup in recruiting. So uh, it's like funny because like I'm looking for something that I can do part-time because lately I have put so much passion into my content that I want to be able to focus more on that and eventually, you know, build that up to where I could do social media full-time because I'm realizing like this is the dream and being laid off from two different jobs this year because, you know, this year is just trash. I've decided like, you know, I think this is a sign that I need to take the social media route. So I don't ever want you to feel bad if you end up not using your degree from a very well-known university just because I'm doing that now and I don't feel the least bit bad about it. And that's the thing, um, especially lately. And and while I'm taking a semester off, I still live in state college. I, my roommates all go to Penn State. And so it's a, it's a really taxing situation, I, I guess, on my mental health to be living with people who are still pursuing their degree while thinking that I want to take the social media route and pursue that as a career. And I know, I understand, like, my heart of hearts tells me that, like, pursuing your dream is what I'm supposed to be doing and I shouldn't feel bad about it. But at the same time, it's like, am I naive for trying to do this? Am I am I stupid? Um, is this unrealistic? And at the same time, it's like, well, it was unrealistic for me to say that I would have 700,000 followers and here I am. So at this point, it's like anything can happen. And if I keep working towards it, then who's to say that it won't be a success for me? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. So how has your life changed since you've gained such a big following? I guess, how do you manage your life? How has it changed in terms of your schedule, I guess, maybe income, how you manage your time, especially with being in school. I know you've mentioned that you're, you're already taking off now. Um, so I'm just kind of curious to learn a little bit more. How do you like manage all of that with the big following, especially because you weren't expecting it to happen? Yeah. So at first, uh, when I first started posting videos on TikTok, it kind of just was like, whenever the fuck I want to do, you know what I mean? Like I get an idea, something that happens throughout the day, and I just write it down and record it later. Now that my audience has grown, it's kind of become more of a schedule slash routine, I guess. Um, I try to keep a journal with all of the ideas that I have and everything that I want to say, different stories that I want to tell, uh, which is a little bit more organized than how I was doing things last year around this time. And I also have a business email that I run that I have to look through the emails, uh, get my brand deals together, like anything that happens like that. Uh, and it's, it's crazy because I don't, I didn't know how the fuck this works. I still don't really, like I'm, I'm kind of winging it and just yeah. taking it day by day, but, um, it's definitely become more of a, a job you know what I mean and that's not to say that I, I don't enjoy doing it I love it I love what I do 
but it definitely has turned into more of a job. Yeah, no, it's hard. I mean, now that I've lost my job and I have all this free time, I feel like I find my days going by so fast because I want to get so much work done. Like I have to make my own TikToks. I have to make my own YouTube videos. I'm recording about two to three podcast episodes per week. So, you know, my schedule is so consistent. And I think that's like one of the hardest things about being a content creator is that consistency and learning how to juggle your time. And I also have to balance my crazy gym schedule in with that as well, since I also am a bikini competitor. I mean, I'm on my off season right now, but I still have to find time to take care of my body and spend. Thank you. Yeah. I've been doing that for two years. And so my last show was towards the end of September. So I've been on off season for about, I want to say a little over two months now, but yeah, I still have to worry about like eating well and managing all that. And it's crazy. And I struggle with it because I can't, sometimes I feel like I burn out and I'm always like, I feel like I do too much. It is, it is definitely um, all about balance, all about finding that balance for sure. Yeah. So how many TikToks do you usually work on per day? Do you typically bot shoot your content or do you just kind of go at, I go as you please? I know you mentioned you, you write all your ideas down, which I think is great, but I'm curious to know about your process when you create one. Yeah, so I try to post at least once a day, um, but I've always stood by the idea that I I don't want to push out content that I'm just posting to post. You know what I mean? I I want everything that I say to be genuine, and I want everything that I put out to be something that I would like if I weren't me. You know what I mean? And so I I write down all my ideas, and I try to film uh, at least once a day. I get something out, and um, I mean, it really depends. There are some days where I just don't feel like anything that I have to say would be something that people would like, you know what I mean? And there are also days where I just um, need to take the day for my mental health, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I love creating content, but there is also sort of a, I don't want to say toxic, but kind of a toxic side to TikTok where I yeah. I tend to compare myself to other accounts, like my mutuals, I, I get insecure about what I'm posting and I mean, there are comments of people like, and normally I, I like to say that I'm blessed because I don't typically get a lot of hate comments. Um, mm-hmm. usually the negative comments that I get will be from like middle-aged men who are just like sexist, you know what saying? Like, yeah. Sexist thing, being like, this isn't funny, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, yeah. but there are the occasional comments that I just, I feel like I need to step away and take a break from just for the sake of my own mental health. But like I said, I do try to film at least once a day and typically I'll just sit down in front of the camera and, and speak and just uh just talk. Um and it usually takes me a few takes because I I like to speak I speak very quickly and so sometimes I stumble over my words and I wanna get every single punch in out in a way that makes sense. So normally it'll mm-hmm. take a few tries because I'm not um obviously not the kind of TikTok who just like does a dance or lip syncs and I I don't really have the luxury of like having help, you know what I mean? <laughs> um or doing something that's like a little bit easier than than speaking off the top of my head. Um, but normally it'll take a few tries. And there have been TikToks that have taken me like upwards of an hour to post and they're only 60 seconds. So the fact that it took me an hour to film is kind of crazy. But yeah, I'll typically just get in front of the camera and start start talking my shit, I guess. I love that. I, I think that's really great. And it shows that you really do put a lot of work into your TikTok, which kind of leads me into the next thing that I wanted to talk about is the hookup surveys that you've done. Because I bet that's been very time consuming for you, especially where you had to collect that data from all the guys that you've reached out to. And then you have to 
probably bat shoot that. So kind of tell me the backstory about about that. I want to know this because this is really funny. Okay, so basically, I I can't I can't take credit for the idea. I've definitely seen okay. this from multiple different people. Um, the same sort of concept where it's like a, a Google Forms, and you're like, I'm going to send this to my ex boyfriend, or I'm going to send this to my friend, or I'm going to send this to somebody that I slept with. And I was like, this would be really funny. So I did my own, um, created my questions, and just sat there and thought like okay who the fuck can I send this to that actually would fill it out and not just think like oh my god this bitch is crazy and so I decided to send it to a few people and wait for the responses and it was so nerve-wracking at first I was like I cannot do this like this is wild but I knew that it would be hilarious if I did it and I knew that um my niche and like what I do is kind of uh like you said being unapologetic and just taking risks and doing whatever the fuck I wanted, not really fearing the consequences or fearing what other people would think. And so I just said, this would be crazy. And if I am comfortable with the person enough to sleep with them, then I can be comfortable with them enough to ask them questions about it. So I love I it. Survey, <laughs> waited for responses and then just started just started posting. Were you scared to, I guess, get that feedback and I and also scared to get responses? Because I think that takes a lot of courage just to reach out to these people that you've slept with, asking for feedback and being genuinely curious on what that experience is like. Because I'm not going to lie, I think I would be a little bit nervous. And I've definitely gained a lot of confidence since I've done social media. But I feel like, I don't know, there's still some things that I tend to still get insecure about. And have you found any of the feedback to be helpful at all? I know like you've done it in comedic form but have you gone back and like reflected on any of the responses that they've said so actually um the first answer that I got uh I went in order I went in chronological order of people that I slept with um okay and so the first person that I sent the survey to was the person that took my virginity and I knew I just knew that the reaction was not going to be positive I knew that they were going to have some shit to say because obviously it was my first time and I had no idea what the fuck I was doing Mm -hmm. um, but he was nice enough to answer. I haven't spoken to him in a couple of years now. And he was nice enough to answer. And he did have some shit to say. He was like, I think he rated the overall performance with a five. And I, I said in the video, I was like, I understand why he would do that because I just laid there like a, like a soggy French fry. Thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so in a sense, yeah. it was nice to hear that um, because I, I knew what I was, I was expecting it. You know what I mean? And so it okay. what I was expecting. And, and the more recent ones, I can't really say that. This is going to make me sound like a bitch. I just know it. No, um, no, no, no. no. You're good. Honest. My most recent ones, it's it's almost like I I knew every answer that I was expecting is an answer that I got. You know what I mean? And so the new one, the more recent ones, I was like, okay, I know they're probably going to think that they enjoyed themselves. And it's not really going to help me out because, like, I didn't enjoy myself. You know what I mean? And I feel yeah. like that, you can say that about, like, most women now that, that participate in hookup culture. Like, people that have sex. Uh, you can say that the woman is almost always less satisfied than the man is. You know what I mean? Like, a oh, man yeah. is pretty much guaranteed to be satisfied and have a great time, and the woman just is left hanging. And so I knew that they might have enjoyed themselves, but on the same end, like, I could not say the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I totally agree with you how in hookup culture, a lot of women feel less satisfied. I'm wondering if it's just because like our needs just aren't being met or if it's because we have maybe certain kinks that are just not getting fulfilled. I can tell you that almost every guy that I've had sex with here in San Francisco 
It's all been so mediocre. Girl, let me tell you, vanilla sex, it's just, it's a little boring. I really Mm. like things to be spiced up. And sometimes I feel like it's hard to communicate with these guys, but you, because you can tell they just want a one night stand and they'll think that anything is hot and sexy to them and they're going to get satisfied either way. But at the same time, sex is a two way street. You know, it's not just about you. It's about both people doing the act. I'm like, if it's only going to be a one night stand and we're not going to do this again, then shit, we might as well give it our best. You know what I mean? Like we might as well. Exactly. It's only going to be one time and here you are giving me nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not, it's not fulfilling for, for me at all. And it's just, I wish there was a way that they could just understand telepathically what I was thinking and do it. And, but I just don't want to have that awkward conversation, especially if it is only a one night stand. Like, I don't want to have to sit here and, and tell you exactly what you need to do to, to fix this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I used to be like that for a very long time. I was afraid of not, of, or I'm sorry, I was afraid of speaking up in bed because I don't know. I didn't want to ruin the moment. But at the same time, communication is actually very important when you have sex, regardless of that person, whether they're just a one night stand, they're your romantic partner, whatever the case may be. And after my most recent experience, I have decided, you know what, the next guy that is lucky enough to sleep with me, I am going to speak up with my needs. I'm going to ask you to do things. And if you aren't going to do it, let me show you to the door. And like, there's a difference between doing something you're not comfortable with. But if you're also trying to date me long term, because I'm that kind of person that is looking for a long term relationship, then it's never going to work if we're not going to be on the same page sexually, you know, and I think that that is honestly, the most important lesson that I learned from that specific series of videos is that, like I said, if, if I'm comfortable enough to sleep with someone, I should be comfortable enough to be vocal about what I like and what I don't like. And if I could send a survey to people that I've slept with and post it on the internet for 700,000 people to see, then what is stopping me from being vocal when it's just us in the bedroom? You know what I mean? So that's something that I'm definitely going to fix and, and be better about is just being more vocal about what I like and what I don't like. And I love that you mentioned that you even took those videos as a learning lesson for yourself. I think exactly. that's so important. Have there been other videos that you've created that I guess have inspired you or helped you change as in like personal growth? I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about how you found your voice and how TikTok has helped change you personally for your mental health, for your confidence. Were you different before you started TikTok or like has it changed you in any kind of way? I think that I've always been willing to say what other people aren't comfortable saying. I've always I've always lacked a filter. Um, but I definitely think that growing an audience, especially for these specific kinds of videos that I put out, which I mean relate mostly to to girls who are around my age going through the same sort of experiences that I'm going through, I think that it's definitely made me more comfortable in who I am and more okay with the fact that I'm experiencing these things. I think before I started posting videos, uh, I'm not sure if this is making sense, but before I started posting videos, things would happen to me and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm a fucking idiot. This is the end of the world. I cannot believe this. Why am I the way that I am? I'm just terrible. And then I started posting videos and people would be like, oh, this has happened to me too. Like I can relate to that. And then I was like, shit, then we can just be idiots together. We are, we are all just dumb bitches as a whole, as a collective. And we can experience these, these life problems together and go through them together. And that definitely gave me the reassurance that I needed and uh, kind of just the confidence that I needed that these things are normal and that these things happen. And mm-hmm. that, that's okay. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like my similar situation when I did YouTube videos. And at first I was very insecure about just putting it out to the world. But then I realized, you know, if I'm going to get started on YouTube, I have to get over that mindset of what people are going to think, because I know deep down the videos that I create are going to be valuable to people. I feel like that's why people make content of all sorts of different forms, whether it's TikTok, it's a blog, it's a YouTube video. You're doing it because you want to provide value to somebody. Even just yeah. doing comedy videos, you're still providing value to somebody because you're making them laugh. Who doesn't like to laugh? Yeah, I think just get, getting over that mindset was so big for me. So I just had to like realize, don't care what people from high school are going to think. Don't care what people from college are going to think because you know one day that you're going to make an impact. And to me, that's been the most rewarding thing about being a content creator. Would you say that's kind of the same for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and what you said about uh, having those fears that like people are going to judge you for what you're posting, I, I think that that prevented me from starting way earlier than I did. I mean, I, I, was, I was 18 when I started making TikTok, but I, a dream of mine has always been to be a content creator and like I always wanted to have a YouTube channel and post videos but in high school it was always oh I'm really scared that people in my high school are going to say this and this and this you know what I mean I just I feared what they were going to say and, and their judgment and I think now I'm aware that I mean who, who gives a fuck you know what I mean like I can say what I want and do what I want and at the end of the day it's me doing it and not you so if you have something to exactly. say about that so that you have nothing better to do with your time than to make fun of me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you should never uh, change who you are just to appease somebody's comfort levels. It's funny. An episode that of mine that just came out today was an episode called about unapologetically being unapologetic and having a big personality. And if there's something that I've learned about having a big unapologetic personality is that people are not going to agree with everything you're going to say. They're not going to even like your aesthetic and choice of how you choose to present things to the world because they're uncomfortable. It's not the norm to them. And I just kind of learned that I'm not going to take that personally. You're just not my target audience. And I think the reason you've probably gained such a big following is because you've connected to so many people who are also unapologetic people with Maybe they have big personalities or they have small personalities, but they still want to be unapologetically themselves. I, I definitely totally worded that wrong. But I mean, just like they just basically they, they look up to you and saying like, oh, I'm so glad that there are people out there who speak like me, who think like me, and they don't feel bad about it because for the longest time I used to feel bad about it. But now I don't. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm not the craziest thing and also the most incredible thing I think from from being a content creator is just growing out of that that small space because people are so some people are just so small minded and I think being a content creator really forces you to grow a more open mind and be be more comfortable with yourself and more open to to people's opinions but also being able to listen to someone's opinion and not take it to heart you know what I mean because I, I get mm -hmm. hundreds of comments and and I appreciate all of them but at the same time for the people that only have negative things to say like I've definitely grown to not let that get to me just yeah 
Exactly. And it's like I've also been able to spot the difference between a negative comment, a hate comment, and then what's actually constructed that could actually help me be a better creator. And so like negative comments like saying so for an example, on a YouTube video where I'll make stuff about San Francisco, someone might just say, Oh, I hate San Francisco. Why would anyone want to move there? And I'm just like, okay, whatever. You know, that's your opinion. If you don't like San Francisco, don't move there. I I'm okay with that because you know, they're not personally attacking me. They're not saying yeah. anything about me. They're commenting more of the concept of the video. And I think that's okay. Are negative comments annoying? Yes, absolutely. But I don't yeah. think they're that harmful unless they really do get harmful where they are saying something really, really terrible and offensive. And then of course there are the comments that just attack you and your character, your personality, your looks when you've actually done nothing wrong. And I, gosh, I feel so bad for Charlie D'Amelio because I know she is like a huge target of stuff like that, which kind of goes back to the whole toxicity stuff of TikTok. How have you kind of handled toxicity yourself i know you've said that you don't take some things personally but have there been other things that you've done to cope with the toxicity of youtube or not youtube tiktok yeah so i can say the best thing that i've done and um, at first i was scared of doing this because i know that the algorithm of tiktok is so crazy like nobody really knows how the algorithm works um yeah so there was this big thing that i i talked about with my mutual followers how if you take a break our views go down, like our views plummet. And so at first I was really scared to take a break, um, not only because my views would plummet, but because I didn't want my audience to be like upset with me or to just be disappointed that I'm not pushing out content as, as much as they'd like. But I think that's honestly the best thing that I've done in order to cope with the toxic comments or, or things that are just taxing on my mental health is just taking a break and not being afraid to take time for myself and just really process things that are happening and overcome them. And so that, that's definitely the most beneficial thing that you can do is just is step aside for a couple of days, really just take time for yourself. And then I feel that when I come back, I'm, I'm even stronger. I'm even, even better at speaking, even better at communicating with my audience because I've taken that time that I needed in order to understand whatever is happening on the app that I didn't like. That's such a great idea. And I'm sure it's probably been such a breath of fresh air for you. And it probably helps you create better content once you take that mental health break because as you mentioned earlier, you don't want to just be posting content for the sake of posting just to, you know, get those views to be consistent and keeping the algorithm pushing your content out. I think, yeah, I mean, I know it's so scary to want to take a break and have your views go down. But at the end of the day, as long as you get back on the train and you keep being consistent, I would think that the algorithm would work in your favor. Did that happen to you or did it take a yeah. while for it to <laughs> kind of pop back off for you again? Yeah. So I actually had something happen in my personal life that I, I knew I needed to take a break from social media. And I stopped posting, so I think it was five or six days. And then when I came back on the app, I, I could tell immediately that I was either shadow banned or my videos weren't getting put on the full you page as much as they normally do, but I, I could see a significant behavior in my views to, to where it was almost like this didn't make any sense at all for my for my numbers. Like I would get maybe a thousand views in the first couple hours that I posted and I'm like, this does not make any sense at all. And mm -hmm. um, I just had to keep posting. Like eventually once I started being consistent again, then my views went up. But um even recently I, I'm noticing that I think TikTok has some sort of vendetta against me because every time I post a video, it goes under review for a while before it's actually yeah. posted. And I, maybe they caught on to the fact that I'm making surveys about my previous hookups and they're not comfortable with that. But every single video that I post is going under review. And so 
TikTok's algorithm and just the way that it works is so, I don't know, I feel like it's misunderstood. Nobody really gets it. And it's I don't know so why. crazy. I think TikTok is really cracking down on content that is being shown out to the world. Because I feel like so many kids are on the app. So I, they probably want all the content to be as family friendly as possible. But what I don't understand, and this makes me mad, is because a while ago, I posted a, I posted a TikTok of me doing the sound, uh, girl, it's not worth it. Don't do it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so as a bikini competitor, I was wearing my old suit from last year. And basically my twist of that sound was I wanted to order a new one. And they're very expensive, <laughs> mind you. Yeah. So my old suit was saying, no, don't do it. It's not worth it. And so then I waited uh, like a couple of weeks just to make this TikTok so I could get the result to show people the new suit that I purchased. And so the I did it was me in the brand new bikini. Yeah. And TikTok put that under review. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Why why is this being marked inappropriate? I'm not showing any genitals. My butt is like turned away from the camera. So you can't even see that. So I'm not gonna lie, I was like incredibly offended. And now with like Megan the Stallion's body song coming out, and there I see so many girls posting pictures of their butts and thongs and stuff. And I'm all about body positivity and showing off your body on social media. Like, that doesn't bother me. But it's like, how does that get accepted and pass the review check? But mine doesn't. And another friend of mine who is also on TikTok, she complains about the same thing because she'll wear just a sports bra and TikTok will remove it. I just don't understand that. And I didn't know if you knew any insight into that as well. But it just like really frustrates me. Yeah, I have genuinely no idea. There are videos that I'll post where I see them as completely fine and they get taken down. And there are videos that I post that I'm like, this is definitely going to get taken down and it doesn't. It, it's so questionable to me, the, the way that they go about, I don't know, policing the videos that they see. But it just, I don't know, it's frustrating because there seems to be no definite set of like rules. There seems to be no, I mean, I'm seeing, like you said, like people who post bikini they're getting taken down, but then a 16-year-old will post the same exact thing, maybe even more revealing and it'll stay up just because they're verified with millions of followers. You know what I mean? And so that's just frustrating. And there's not really any way to, to handle it because I feel like TikTok's way of communicating is just terrible. Like, I, I, I don't think, mm -hmm. I think you can report within the app something happening and they can take, like, I don't know, upwards of a couple months to get back to you. There's not really any email that you can get in contact with or number that you can call to where the response will be any more timely you know what I mean yeah because I, I did that with my bikini one I tried to say like hey can you explain to me why this is being under review there's nothing inappropriate that they never got back to me which sucks yeah. because I thought it was so cute and I worked really hard on it and it didn't even get the chance to see the light <laughs> I'm sure it was a great TikTok and <laughs> I know. So I guess the next thing that I wanted to go into, and I guess this can kind of be the last segment since we're starting to run low on time, but you've been on the platform for about one or two years, correct? Uh, yeah, it's been a year and a half. Okay, a year and a half. So what would you say are some of the biggest pieces of advice you could give to people who want to grow their following? They want to be TikTok famous. 
What do you think people really need to know, whether it's about the algorithm, things that you need to post to get notice on the For You page? Uh, maybe some tips that you did that worked for you. A lot of people actually ask me, uh, I think the most common question that I get when it comes to social media is how did I gain the audience that I have? What did I do in order to grow as much as I did? And to that, all that I can say is I have no fucking idea. I have no idea how this happened to me, why this happened to me. I got so incredibly lucky and I'm so blessed to have the audience that I have now, but I could not tell you how. I think the only, the closest how that I can give you is I, I saw that video that went viral. I stuck with that niche. I knew that what went viral for me was relatable content that people found funny and that they could just, just laugh at and laugh with. You know what I mean? And so I stuck to that. I stuck with the whole, I'm going to share experiences that I have that maybe other people aren't as comfortable discussing and I'm going to be that person that they can relate to and that they can they can laugh with about their own personal circumstances and so I guess this my biggest piece of advice would be to to one not give an absolute flying fuck about what anybody has to say about what you're posting because at the end of the day you caring is what is going to be detrimental to what you're trying to do if you're if you're sitting here and caring about what other people are going to think of what you're saying or you're worried about what the comments are going to look like or worried about what your family or friends are going to say that will hinder your success so first of all just stop giving a fuck uh second of all find something that you enjoy talking about uh that people enjoy listening to and stick to that and Mm -hmm. that's how i took off i guess do you think it's important to have a niche on TikTok or do you think you can still get away with posting with whatever you want? Oh, definitely. I, I think the niche, you definitely need to have a niche. I, even now, I can't really get away with posting anything that I want to post. You know what I mean? And I, it's, it's because I think, I don't even know, I can't say because I have no idea how, how the algorithm really works, but I think that they do keep track of like what specific kind of content you post because I noticed when I'm posting similar content, it'll get a lot of views. And then when I post something that maybe is a little bit different, it won't get as many views. You know what I mean? And so I think even with the audience that I have right now, it's hard to post whatever kind of content that I want to post and still have it do as well as my other content. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's making any sense, but... Um, it makes total sense. And I also know that... So you have such a big following... Uh, I know this is, this is going to sound like a really awkward question to ask, but hear me out because hopefully you'll understand what I'm trying to say. So would you say that the following that you have gotten today is the target audience that you've always wanted? Do you feel like you ended up targeting the right people? Oh, yeah. So um, at first, when I first started posting videos, I knew that my audience was younger. They were, um, I don't know, maybe like middle school age and that's not, I mean, I love all of the audience. So that's not to say that that was an audience that I didn't want. But I knew that as a college student, I kind of wanted to up the age of my audience um, and make it just so that any, any time, any age person could watch my content. Maybe not like super young, obviously, before I'm posting, but uh, people closer to my age. And so I started to slowly get a little bit more unapologetic with what I was posting. <laughs> not that what I was posting at first wasn't unapologetic, but I started to be a little bit more open, be a little bit less um constricting with the things that I'm saying and I noticed that over time my audience did grow to be older now I'm getting DMs from from people that are my age and some people that are even older than me saying that they're watching content and I think that right now I do have the exact audience that I want which is which is college students you know what I mean people people my Mm -hmm. age people going through the same thing 
what I'm going through. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that makes total sense. I mean, shit, I'm 29 and here I am still watching your content. (laughs) And so I definitely think that, you know, you can really resonate with anyone. Um, It also depends on what you post, because I think this shit that you post on TikTok is age appropriate. You know, you're, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you're, you're 20, you're 20, right? Yep. If you're a sophomore in college. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So like, oh, like, you know, sharing sex stories about you partying in college, you know, you're being a 20 year old, you know, you're doing things that you should be doing. You're not going to feel sorry about it. I was a college student once at 20 years old and I was crazy back then. <laughs> I get it. It's funny. And it's really cool to hear like the perspective of living that life at Penn State and being able to juggle all of that on top of TikTok and this large following, I think it's very admirable. And I really do think that you need to keep doing you and please don't ever change because it works, right? Thank You're getting you. the people that you want. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that so much. That's so great to hear. Of course, of course. So I guess this kind of wraps up everything that I wanted to ask you, but I wanted to know if people are interested in seeing your content, where can they find you? So my TikTok is at Sid Dollar Sign. My Instagram is at Sid Aaron. And my Twitter is at Sid Dollar Sign. Awesome. Well, Sid, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed hearing your perspective and your story and just how you found your voice through TikTok and just how it's impacted you to this day in a positive way, of course. And guys, for those out there listening, if you're interested in sharing your unapologetic experiences with this podcast, be sure to email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com and be sure to follow the podcast at shamelesslyunapologetic on Instagram. And with that, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.